Well, today is the 4th of July here in the United States. It's a holiday for many. And by the way, I owe an apology to my Canadian listeners. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to this very special 4th of July edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, we'll be spending a little bit of time today talking about a few things that relate to the 4th of July. But first, an apology to the many listeners that I have in Canada. On Friday, in my all the stuff that I had in front of me here, my little studio desk, I had a story to share with you about Canada Day, which was July 1st, and I never got to it. And then yesterday, there were so many stories to try to push into a small amount of time that I never got to it again and it somehow had gone to the bottom of the stack today as I was getting ready for this program and trying to clear off things out of my computer and things out of paperwork there I saw the story and I felt rather amiss because there's so many there's so many of you that listen in Canada And when I do a program like 4th of July, a lot of what I have to say is not just aimed at the United States. This is something that our Canadian friends, our German friends, our friends in the United Kingdom, Australia, and other places around the world where we have developed an audience, these are things, these topics we all have in common. These are not the things I'll be talking about today. These are not uniquely American problems. These are, well, post-Christian nations problems. In other words, places like the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, United States, New Zealand, we're living in an era of what I consider post-Christianity where it no longer is the dominant influence. It is no longer the salt and light. It's no longer what is keeping our nation kind of glued together. Those values, and here in the United States, Barack Obama, I hate to admit it, he was correct when he made the statement, we are no longer a Christian nation. He said that years ago. And a lot of people here in the United States got really upset. Even I was initially upset because I understood American history sufficiently enough because I went to school at a time where history was taught, not any longer. You don't teach history anymore for a reason. Because we don't want you to know history or they don't want you to know history because if you did, you wouldn't put up with a lot of the nonsense that's being pushed on you today. And so... To all of my friends in Canada, many that email, write, and even have supported this radio program, I hope that you enjoyed your Canada Day. I know that fireworks were canceled in many places because of the air quality issues with the fires that, like somebody said, were started by the Trudeau Match and Lighter Company, all for the cause of convincing you about global warming. And I tend to believe it. Uh, the, the So many of you in Canada have written that, that tell me that something doesn't make any sense 
about all the fires in Canada, how they all magically started at the same time. Why are there things in the forest to make it more difficult for firefighters to put these fires out? There's just too many unanswered questions, and I hate to be the conspiracy theorist guy, but my opinion is very simple. I think there's some really evil things in the background And I don't trust your prime minister. I don't trust Joe Biden either. He's just a puppet man. So obviously we have a lot of issues in our formerly Christian nations here in the Western world. And you could be a fatalist and say, well, nothing we can do about it. Just waiting for the apocalypse. World War III. Jesus breaking open the skies and coming again. Or the rapture, if you're just sitting around the house waiting for things to get worse and you don't have to worry about it. We'll be addressing those issues in the second half of today's program. But my question for you, America and Canada. It was Dominion Day in the past, if memory serves me, now it's Canada Day. United States today makes it to 247 years. And many worry, will we make it to year 250? We talked about this a little bit over the weekend and last week. Is there any hope left? And I'm beginning to actually have a little bit of encouragement in me for the first time in a long time. And what I'm trying to say is this. Here in the United States, we had a few unexpected little victories in the Supreme Court. And I know for my audience overseas, the news coverage you will see will be totally distorted and mostly a big fat lie because you can't trust the mainstream media anymore. They're just a bunch of liars. They're propaganda artists. They would make Joseph Goebbels in Nazi Germany proud of the work that they're doing. They're disgusting little creatures that inhabit our television sets and our little phones. And they lie with impunity and they just don't care. You want to know why they don't care? Because the ideology that they're trying to achieve means more than anything in the world. And anything that goes wrong is just acceptable collateral damage, including the truth. And what they're too pinheaded to figure out is the day that the elites don't need those people is the day that those people have no voice. They don't get it. They are that delusional. And that's one of the problems we have in the United States today. We've got a lot of delusional people out there. But not everybody is delusional. Not everybody's been, shall we say, demonically touched, has, have given their lives over to reprobate lifestyles. Not everybody's done that. Though there is a significant number, it's not near the number they try to lead you to believe. When the Stasi would try to keep East Germany under control, They would go to these apartment complexes at 1, 2, and 2.30 in the morning, knocking on doors and taking somebody away. And everybody was scared to say or do anything. The truth be known, if the people had stood up and said something in that apartment complex, 
the Stasi would have been overpowered. They would have lost all control of, of East Berlin. It took a lot to indoctrinate a soldier to turn on their own people. It was a small minority that was hurting the greater majority that yearned to be free. Here in the United States, we have squandered, I believe, many gifts that we've been given. And I'll talk about that later this week. I don't want to get into some of that now. And I think that we're going to be seeing times of turbulence and times of tribulation. But I see times of hope. The pendulum swings a lot. I mentioned that last week. And we begin to see some victories. Now, granted, the overall long-term trajectory is still heading toward the apocalypse. But I'm going to take any I'm going to take any opportunity to see things get better for my children and my grandchildren and now my great-grandchildren. Yeah. I'm deeply concerned. And I want to see a good life for them or the best that it can be. And so I'm not going to sit around and just bemoan it. I'm not going to just do a radio program to complain about it. We're going to do something about it. I've told you a dozen times, get your kids out of the public schools. If they are intelligent and if they are informed and if they can rationally think, that's the one thing the elites cannot deal with. These elites have been using automated artificial intelligence bots to to infiltrate social media and thus infiltrate public thinking. And it's all fake, phony, and a lie. Even Twitter figured that out. And a lot of these, by the way, these government these bots are government run. Oh yeah. Government run. Isn't that a scary thought as they scrape data to learn more about what you think. Yeah, our country is, is, is facing a lot of issues. But the one thing that can make a change, instead of just saying, woe is me, let them say, woe is them. We need to say, woe is them. We've had enough of your tyranny. We've had enough of your lies. We've had enough of you stealing and destroying the Constitution. We've had enough of you trying to destroy our children. We've had enough of men walking around half naked at parades under pride flags in front of little children. Enough is enough is enough. We are going to stand and be counted. We are going to come to your school board meetings. And you can try playing little games like, oh, we just won't put that on the agenda so you can't speak about it. Well, we can speak at the ballot box if, and, and in New York City, they play a game up there. They'll, they'll use some oddball day when you do not want to go to vote. How do you think Braggadocious, Alvin Braggadocious, the, that's what I call him, the, the attorney, district attorney, was elected? 5,000 votes. That's all he got because nobody went out to vote. Same with your mayor. They've been playing this game to keep power. Show up on those days, get rid of those reprobates and start with a clean slate of people that actually care about your city. Run for school board. Don't allow the reprobates to have control of the minds, hearts and souls 
of your children. Don't allow liars to go into Congress and the Senate. Don't allow people to trample on your rights. Don't allow your religious freedoms to be compromised by some silly fool in a city or county government. It's time to take America back before it's too late. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states, Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us, then ransom our future and our children's. That's wrong. We must eat America back as liberty weeps. Our forefathers spin in their graves Pray God will bless some way out of this mess We must take America back Lord knows they'll try To silence our voices They'll pretend to be patriots Fighting for fairness for all But they're not even fit to hold office What they believe doesn't fit with freedom at all We must take America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late Not stick us and bleed us And ransom our future And our children's that's wrong We must take America back As liberty weeps Our forefathers spin in their graves Pray God will bless some way out of this mess We must take America back Come
Truth, Ponder with Bob Bierman. Even though that song was written over 30 years ago, it is still as true today as it was then, and in some ways even more true today as we're facing some unprecedented challenges coming after our children and our freedoms than we've ever seen before. The United States has always faced a series of challenges. And like pretty much all nations and even empires before us, we will face turbulent and difficult times. It's how we deal with those times that shows our character and our resilience. There are times that I believe we're just running out of time and I don't see it getting better. Then I see see things that give me some encouragement again. And I have a little bit of a better feeling for my children and grandchildren. We can stand up. We can be counted. We are the majority. Those that try to rule your lives are the minority. There's not one-third of the population that is trans or gay. There's not one-third of the population that is trying to get to our children in the schools. They are a tiny but very powerful and vocal minority. Parents need to say, I don't want my children in a school like that. I don't want people on this school board, so go out and vote. Many of you, I know, don't. And then you complain. We need to be proactive. Now, I've got, I'm taking the break early because I've got something I want to share on the other side that I think is very important. But I want to take a moment to thank all of you that support this radio ministry. As we are going into this month of July, a lot of exciting possibilities are right there in front of us. I'll share in just a moment. But if you can help us, you can make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510, The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. Zip code is 24319. That's 24319. This is Truth Ponder with Bob Bierman. The priest who wears the crown. Coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In the Old Covenant, you could be king or priest, but never both. It was illegal. A king could not be priest and a priest could not be king. But then an amazing thing happens in the book of Zechariah. And that is, God tells Zechariah, Zechariah 6.11, take silver and gold, make a crown, set it on the head of Joshua, the high priest. Stop right there. That's illegal. That's unlawful. The priest cannot wear a kingly crown, cannot be king. But, but this is a prophetic act. Joshua, the high priest, is a sign. The Lord says, This is a sign of the man who will be called the branch. That's Messiah. And he's going to wear the crown. He's going to be priest and king at the same time. And he's going to build the temple of the Lord and forever. Now, that was absolutely forbidden in the old covenant. So that means when Messiah comes, there's got to be a new covenant because it would be against the law in the old covenant. He's going to be both king and priest. Messiah is of the royal house of Judah, and he's the priest of a new covenant. A crown on the head of the high priest, a sign. A sign that in God, all things are new. In the new covenant, all things. The priest can wear the crown. The king can be the priest. It means all bets are off. Nothing is going to be as it was. Everything is new in Messiah. Everything is new. 
that means in your life too. Messiah is so new, is still now. He's so awesome that when he comes, all bets are off. The old rules no longer apply. The old laws cannot bind you anymore. You are a new creation, not bound by the past. You're free in the power of Messiah, the priest who wears the crown. Want more? Ask for the Melchizedek Mystery on CD. Now, feeling like your walk with God could use a real spiritual boost? We got the answer. A free subscription to Sapphire's warning uses directed can revolutionize your walk for victory. And the incredible Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD, all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus, really rename Yeshua, and you dial it. So, to get your free gifts, call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me in two of the most exciting ministries in the world, to broadcast the word of life around the earth by shortwave radio to every tribe and tongue and also to the Jewish people or to Israel to get them the gospel. So how the most incredible way, the farthest way your life can ever impact the world for the gospel through shortwave radio, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1, that's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1, or write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy box 1111, that's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's box 1111. It's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Walk with the King, my friend. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you in Messiah. Melech Markim, the King of Kings. This is Truth Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our very special 4th of July edition of Truth to Ponder. And the message I have on this program today is not just limited to those in the United States. This is something that transcends our national borders. It really comes down to who are we in Christ Jesus as a people, more than a country or government. Much of the Western world at one time would have been considered a Christian nation, but no longer. And in spite of all the bad things that we see, I really do see hope if good Christian people act like the salt and light of this world. And remember the words of 2 Chronicles in chapter 7. There are a few verses that are worth repeating. Verse 13, if I shut up heaven that there's no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. And verse 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and will heal the land. Think about that. That's a promise that God has made. And God is not a rescinder of promises. He'll keep it. The United States could be a better place again. Sure, we know the day's going to come that Jesus will return. It's going to get so bad. It really will. But for now, we need to keep on keeping on and be laborers in his field. Now, Sunday, I preached a message at Trinity Chapel on that very topic. And I'd like to take some time to share that message with you on today's program. I think you'll be blessed. I think you'll be encouraged. And I think you're going to learn a lot. And I hope you enjoy it. And I'll see you on the other side of this message 
with a few additional thoughts for today's program. This is Truth to Ponder. Heavenly Father, as we take some time to gather around your word, I pray today by the power of your Holy Spirit that our ears may hear, our eyes may see, and our hearts open to receive all you have for us this day. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. I was thinking the other day, all these years I've spent around radio, being on the air many, many years ago, all these various songs about America. And, and I thought about some of the songs that we don't always think about that talk about some of the troubles we have gone through as a nation. I can remember one that came out in the 1990s. We must take America back because it's fallen into terrible times. Then there's another one, you know, God Bless America, again, an old country song from way back in the 70s, talking about the perilous times that we go through as a nation. And, and the truth is, as I look over my lifetime, even as a youngster, way back, I can remember 1968 quite well. A lot of weird stuff happened in 1968. Assassinations. There were riots in the street. There were all kind of problems and fires in cities. It was a very difficult time. 1968, we kind of forget about it. The United States has always had this, this back and forth pendulum relationship with good and bad times. It's been the nature of our nation since day one. I started thinking in preparing for this time with you today. What are some of the difficult things that I've seen just in my little lifetime? You know, the nation will be 250 years old in just three years from now. And many people wonder, will we make it 250 years at the rate we're going? The Roman Empire lasted a thousand years and it started to fall into the same kind of issues that we have in our nation today, which is what corrupted it, which is what took it down over time. The Roman Empire gave us bridges and waterways and aqueducts and some of the greatest engineering technology the world had ever seen to that date. And much of their conquest was not conquest at all. It was people happy to have them come and bring this stuff. Yet their own weight of sin, their own corruption, their own evil desires is what ultimately did them in. Now, it took a little longer in the Roman Empire. There were things that we do today that they didn't even do to the latter part of their empire. As bad as the news sometimes can look, and, and believe me, because of the radio program that some of you know that I do, I have to deal with that stuff all the time. And I'll tell you, there's some days when I finish doing that radio program, I'm going, Lord, do we even have a chance? And then I'm reminded of what it says in Second Chronicles. As you came in this morning, you may have heard that last song playing in the pre-service music that says, if my people which are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and I, 
Repentance is a big part of that. And that's part that a lot of people don't get. Saying, Lord, save our nation is fine, but are we willing to repent of our sin as well? And this is one of the keys that I think a lot of the church is missing today. We don't repent anymore. In fact, there, I'm not going to name them, but there are some churches that actually celebrate sin more than asking you to repent of it. The only sin to them is not celebrating somebody else's sin. The Bible talked about a great falling away. I think we're seeing it, but I, I think that we haven't, quote, run out of time. We are told to be as Christians salt and light in this world. How many times have we heard that? And do we really understand what, what it, it means? In Bible times and even in the 1800s, they understood the idea of salt. We don't quite understand it because of our technology and the way we process foods and everything today, but salt was a preservative. That's how they preserved their food, salt. In the 1800s, they packed meat with salt so they would have food over the winter. And light, evil hates light that hates being exposed, it hates being seen. And so what, what does Jesus say that we are to do in our world today? We are to be salt and light in this world. A preservative and show the light. Don't hide your light under a bushel basket. On my weekend version of the radio program that I do, I, I made the statement that I said, you know, we can look at all the troubles and we cannot be, you know, lazy boy Christians. Yeah, I'm going to stay here in my recliner and just read all the bad news and wait till Jesus comes and raptures me out. Don't have to do a thing. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Go ye therefore and stay in your easy chair and wait. It says work for the night is coming. And that's hard for some people to, to understand. Work for the night is coming. What did Jesus say? The fields are ripe for harvest and the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord that he send laborers into his harvest. In a world like we have today, let's be honest. It's a world ripe for harvest. Some statistics, I don't want to bore you with too many, but to give you an idea where the United States is today versus just 20, 25 years ago, what do you think the percentage of people that are involved in any shape, manner, or form with any kind of organized religion? Notice I'm using that broad term, organized religion. Christianity, Hinduism, Shintoism, uh, you name it. What percentage claim to be a part of? It's 47%. 53% of the United States is no longer attached to anything. Nothing. Now, of that 47%, how many of them go to a church on even a quasi-regular basis? Less than half. 
And of that less than half, which now we're down to roughly 25% of the population, how many of them, how many of them are, really have that relationship with Jesus Christ? In other words, they're not just going to a church uh, because it's, well, I went there, my, my dad went there, my grandparents owned the stained glass window. You know, we've heard, you know, the reasons that we go occasionally. I remember a member of my church reminded me it was a Christmas Eve. And the church I had was rather large. And our late night Christmas Eve service was well attended. Standing room only. You had to get there a half hour or so in advance. Or you're, you may be standing or looking for a folding chair. Quite a crowd on Christmas Eve. At 11 o'clock at night. It was a big deal, just tradition. And you had to know the guy. We're getting ready to start the service, you know, big time organ and all this stuff. And he goes, yeah, heard from one of our people. He says, the only problem with your church, you always sing the same hymns. Christ the Lord is risen today and, and away in a manger. It's all I ever hear is your church. Don't you sing anything else? Easter's a big time these days. Christmas is actually less. It's become one of those, nah, let's just stay home for Christmas and play with toys. I started seeing that trend even, hate to think of it, almost 20 years ago, where the Christmas Day services were getting less and less and less and less, and the Christmas Eve was still doing good. Seven o'clock was very good with families. I get it. Our priorities are different in America today. The things that we would have abhorred and, and would have been shocked by no longer shock us anymore. That's scary. That to me is scary. That we have been so, oh, what's, the, what's the word? Conditioned to accept things that 20 years ago, we would never have accepted. It starts out, just put up with us, we'll, we'll leave you alone. Well, now we want to be accepted. Now we want to be your equal. Now we want you to worship what we do. And, and this is the pattern of sin. The only good news, and actually there is good news in all of this, and this is where I want to kind of leave it today in a few minutes. I'm not going to preach very long. We have too much good food that's going to go to waste if we don't. The good news is... It doesn't have to be over. We don't have to be fatalist and say there's nothing we can do. Oh, I know the book of Revelation. I understand it. I know the book of Daniel. I know the day is coming. I know the day of intense. I know there's going to be the great tribulation. And I know that over history, we've seen times of intense tribulation. We've had this pendulum that goes back and forth. And I know the day is going to come when God stops the pendulum. I don't know when that day is. No man does. And I know a lot of preachers have tried to figure it out. And even Jesus says, I do not know the day or the hour of my return. Only my father does. And he'll tell me what I need to know. All you need to know as followers of Jesus Christ is, is to be ready, number one, to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, number two, and be willing to share that good news with your family and your friends and those around you. 
to make sure a little place like this can have a little bit of an impact in our community and beyond. I don't take a salary for this. I don't need one. God is taking care of my needs. And I could have very easily just stayed retired. But that voice of the Holy Spirit kept saying, you know, you got one more church at least left in you. Do it. I didn't call you to retire you. And I came into ministry later in life by the grace of God. I learned one thing. Some of the best people that I've known in ministry will attest to this. God doesn't always call the qualified. He often qualifies the called. He makes it happen. Do you think that I have the natural ability to do this, what I'm doing right now, preaching like this? It's the Holy Spirit. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, or discussion about it. I'm not that good. I really am not that good. And I have to remind myself every time before I preach, I stand up there before I turn to you and say, Lord, I am not worthy of the power of your Holy Spirit. I am not worthy to be called your servant. I'm not worthy to stand before this congregation. I am like St. Paul, chief of sinners. I mean, you're, you're, you got me. You can do better than me. And he goes, no, I can use you better because of who you are that the Holy Spirit shines through. I don't have as many degrees after my name as some other people that I know. I have enough. I know the work that was put in in those years to get here. And I look back now and what did I really accomplish in those seminary years compared to what I've learned in life and doing this kind of work. I know for this church, it has a future. And when we started it, and for those that are new, let me just give you a quick understanding. This church can be a catalyst for those where God has talked to your heart and said, you know, there's, Lord, I'd love to serve you doing this, this, and this, but where I've been at, I can't. They don't need me. And I feel like I'm not wanted. I'm not what You're wanted and needed here, believe me. This is where God sends those that have been seeking an opportunity, not just a place. This is a family. We, we're growing this as a small family. Everybody will get, you know, this is gonna be like, remember the old TV show Cheers, where everybody knows your name? I wanna keep it to a degree that way here. I, I never wanna see this church so big that I don't know who you are. Now I've been in churches as a child where five services on a Sunday morning packed, five. And they had to use a gymnasium for one of them because they couldn't fit him in the church. Well, that was the 1960s. And when you have a congregation that is approaching 3,000 people, how do you know everybody's name in a group like that? You don't. It was a great experience. I got to see some pretty neat stuff. I got to sing in a very large choir as a kid. And then I got to a small church when I, was, we, when I was in high school where I knew everybody. These were people that I went to school with now in a small town. And for me personally, I liked it. Florida, the church was starting to get even bigger where I couldn't keep track of who was in it. And that's bad. 
and I had to actually bring in other people to, you know, kind of divide the church up. You, you let me know if there's anything going on with the people with their names A through whatever that I can't remember. You know, I mean, little word of advice: if anybody ever gets sick, don't. The Holy Spirit does a lot of wonderful things, but He doesn't wake me up in the morning to tell me who's in the hospital. I had that discussion one time. Did you know that so-and-so was in Sarasota Memorial Hospital? Why didn't you visit them? Because nobody called me. Did you call me? <laughs> Am I supposed to just know? I'm only human like you. The good news for our nation, and there is good news, in spite of all our faults, in spite of all the turmoil and problems, and we will continue to go through many of them. The Lord says, I will always have a remnant people. Always. You're looking at it right here. And in, a, and in, a, in several other churches, it's the remnant church. We are not the majority like it once was anymore. But that's okay. And our nation can be healed. That promise didn't get rescinded. God never said that, well, all my promises have an expiration date. You just don't know when they are. But no, he never said that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will forgive them and I will heal their land. That's why in that gospel, and yeah, I, I read it out of the King James, I know, and there's a reason I do that. This Bible has been with me for almost 40, I can't remember how many years, 46 years, 47, that I've, that I've carried this. And so it's like an old friend. It's kind of, yeah, I, I like other translations too, but I read that and I, I'm reminded again in that gospel lesson, we are the salt and light. Are we going to be salt and light? You don't. There's a hymn and I, that I remember from childhood that had a, a line in it that says, if you cannot preach like Paul, you can still tell the little children that Jesus died for all. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be super talented. You don't have to be a great orator. You don't have to have all these skills. Everybody has a talent, and God knows exactly where to plug it in. And the hymn was called, Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling, Who Will Go and Work Today? Fields are white and harvest waiting. Who will bail the sheaves away? Loud and long the master calleth, rich reward he offers thee. Who will answer gladly saying, here I am. Send me, send me. I've remembered the words of that hymn since I was about this tall. It's been a part of who I am. I've been very blessed that I was put in a parochial school as a kid, so I was having to memorize a lot of this growing up. It's still with me. That's why I believe in reading more scripture. I think that's one of the things the church has gotten away from. We, we get great talks, we have great music, but are we getting into God's word as well? I mean, there's gotta be that balance. Oh, I'd love to have a better, I'd love to have that keyboard up there. I'd love to have somebody with a guitar. I'd like to have somebody using these wonderful microphones and things that we installed here to be ready. We got the gear and I'll get the stuff that anybody needs. 
I just want to do what God, I, I want to not have to worry about that. I just want rather worry about this. Now, I've already gone a little longer than I promised myself. And I, I've, I've always promised to, I'm going to give you a little line. I shouldn't say this. I'll probably get in trouble, but I'll do it anyway. The pastor that I was, shall we say, tutored under as a young child. When I, when I was older and I visited that church before he retired and moved to Florida, I might add, um, where he still worked after he got there in retirement, building, building a high school, of all things. I, I was contemplating ministry back then, but, you know, it wasn't quite the time yet. You know, God can let you know you got a call, but not yet. Doors are closed, and it's not the moment. But you know the call is still there. It's still a valid call. Get, don't get me wrong. And, and I made a remark to him. I said, you know, Pastor Stavel, that was his name. I said, Pastor, I said, your sermons, and especially now that I was in college and I'm thinking more like an adult, I said, are incredible. And I said, I have no idea of how long you even preach, and I could care less. And, and I said, if I ever get into ministry, I want to be, what is, this, what is the secret of good preaching? And he smiled at me, had to know this guy. He goes, Robert, that was, I was always called Robert back then, because that's what he knew me as a kid. He said, Robert, a good sermon is like a woman's dress. Long enough to cover the subject and short enough to be interesting. <laughs> And I thought about that, and it's resonated with me over all of these years. Quality over quantity of time in preaching, and I think I've already hit that point. I think you've got the message that we are salt and light in this world. We may not be able to fix it, but we're not going to give up trying because we're told not to just give up. We're supposed to be out in the field. How many people are out there that could be here that do not know the Lord because they were raised in a household that didn't go to church? They were, they were divorced from it, so to speak, or maybe the home was a broken home. Maybe there was alcoholism, maybe it was drugs. Who knows what, there's a lot that goes on out there that we're never aware. One by one, this is going to be a healing place, a friendly place. Notice we don't have a dress code here. We don't even pass an offering plate. And, and for those that are new, I'm going to quickly tell you why. And then I'll finish my message and we'll move on. Years ago in that big church in Florida, it was an Anglican church. So you know that we're the first thing in the phone book back in the day. Remember, remember those things, phone books? <laughs> I was sitting in my office. It was a Wednesday. It was getting near the end of the month. And the phone rang and I answered it. And this young lady had a need and she was calling a church. Now, I'm used to getting a lot of these calls so I can kind of weed through them pretty quick. You know, you kind of know the drug addict looking for money and he didn't pay his rent. Now he needs rent money because he spent it last night buying drugs. You know, you know that. You can tell it. But there was something about this young lady's voice and the way she was talking and the way she was so ashamed of the situation she was in, the Holy Spirit said, listen to her. Don't try to... And she explained that her husband had left her for another woman. 
emptied the bank account and left the state. Left her and their and their six, seven-year-old son. He just left. And she goes, my job is all right, it's not great, but when he drained it out, I've got bills that I can't pay. And she said, I don't want charity, I, I'll, I'll pay it back. I said, ma'am, how, where do you live at? She didn't live far from the church. I said, you have, you have gas money and whatever to get here. She said, well, I'm at work right now. And this was morning. And, I, and she said, but I have lunch coming up. I said, fine. I can help you out. How much do you need? And she told me. I said, not a problem. I thankfully had what was called a pastor's discretionary fund that only I and the person in need knew who got what. And I gave her a little bit more than she asked for. The Lord just said, give it to her and don't ask any questions. So I did. And I just said, if you ever want to visit a church, you're welcome to come visit us. So she did. Surprisingly, the very next Sunday, she and her son showed up. And they showed up every Sunday thereafter. But I know that on that first Sunday, that offering plate went out and she's kind of, you know, strapped and she, you could just see the misery in her eyes like I wish I had something to put in. She felt so ashamed. And I said if I ever am allowed to in a church I'm never going to pass a plate again. There's always the box for those who can use it in the back. There's always online and there's always the post office box. Take your choice. I don't I don't talk much about money. I don't want to. I don't need to be there. Let you and God work that out. But I don't want to intimidate anybody new either, so I'm not going to pass a plate. I just won't do it. I watched her and her son grow in the Lord. I, I had the privilege of baptizing him. I mean, I bought this was just, a, and then the Lord really did a work with her. Besides changing her life, she got a job that almost tripled her income within a matter of weeks out of nowhere. And she was, and I, and I, she kept saying she wanted to pay it back. I said, no, no, no. Well, I guarantee you, she, I did hear, she, she made sure it was in the offering plate every week. She paid it back plus. But her life was changed. Her son's life was changed. And that's what I want to see here, broken people being restored. We are the salt and light in this world. It's time that we act like it. Heavenly Father. I thank you for this time that you have given us today. This time that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. For this little congregation, Lord, bless it, sustain it, and grow it. Empower it, encourage it, and meet its needs. Lord, for those that you have called to do certain things, encourage them to know that you will empower them. It's not, it's not our strength alone. Now, Father, I ask you to bless this time that we will have in just a few moments as we head downstairs and enjoy a time of food and fellowship and get to know all those that you have sent here. Every week, Lord, you add somebody else. Every week, Lord, you inc people inquire. And every, every week, Lord, you, you exceed my expectations. I'm thankful that you've called me to do this work. I'm honored, Lord. I feel unworthy.
Lord, if there's anything that we need to get right with you today, may the Holy Spirit put that on our heart. For this we ask in Jesus' name. And all the congregation said, Amen and Amen. Thank you, Lord, and heal our land. And give us eyes to seek your face and hearts to understand that you alone make all things new. Blessings of the land we love are really gifts from you. there are times that many of you that listen run out of hope. I get it. I have to look at all this news every day to prepare this radio program. In addition, I've got to prepare a sermon now every week for a church. 
And so I spent a lot of time observing all the ills of this world, all the troubles we face, all the weirdness, all the strangeness, and yes, dare I say, even demonic activity that is just accelerated in recent decades. You can be a defeatist and say, there's nothing we can do, Bob, it's all over. Or you can say, Lord, until you come, I am going to be found faithful and working in the field. I'm going to be involved with my local church and congregation. I'm going to do my part in all you have called me to do. And there lies the rub. Too many Christians today find it so easy not to be involved in a fellowship. They find it way too easy to, you know, push it off on Sunday. See, there's no there's no consequence for not showing up on a Sunday at church. Might be with your job, but see, church is different, I guess, in the minds of many. And to say, well, what can I do so you just do nothing? That's not acceptable either. We'll spend more time later this week on those topics. Now, real quick, there's some opportunity coming down the road. This, this radio program may end up being heard locally here in this radio market. And it may very well end up changing a little bit how this radio program is done. There is the possibility, I'm not guaranteeing it yet, that on shortwave, one of the airings could be live and could be two hours in length instead of one hour. That online, the podcast, it would be available later in the day because it'll start out as a live program with repeats available on demand until the next program. And so there's some exciting times ahead for this ministry and for the church. Starting a church is never easy. You try to get to that 20 and 25 people, then you try to get to 30 and 35. It's never easy, especially in a time where people have been conditioned not to be a part of a church. So we have to deal with that each and every week. Pray for us. There's going to be some other things I'll be announcing on Thursday. I've got some exciting things to share. If you believe in our ministry, would you please help us financially? You can do it by going to our website where you can support us from there, truth2potter.com, or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio and mail it to Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. That's it again, 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.